What's up, everyone? I am Kyle Schudick, and welcome to the Stay in the Fight podcast. I am so grateful to have you listening with me today. This podcast is an in-the-field approach to connect you to the stories and experiences of people who are or have had to overcome their battles, those who have chosen to stay in the fight. You're going to hear of resilience, perseverance, and persistence that hopefully relates and resonates with you to show you that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings and experiences. Our aim is for you to extract a lesson, strategy, or tactic that you can integrate right now so that when things feel too overwhelming, you too can stay in the fight. Welcome, Ryan Matthews, onto the Stay in the Fight podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, so thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and seeing what we discovered today. Yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm super stoked. You know, getting to learn a little bit about you. We talked, you know, for a few minutes uh, a couple weeks ago, and decided to connect and just bring it onto the show. And I'm I'm super super excited to for you to share, you know, your experiences. But as you know, on the show, we don't do cold intros. I want you to introduce yourself because it's the most authentic way that it can be done. So pretty much, you know, tell people where you're from and you know, what are you doing right now? And then also, what's your history? What's your background? Sure. Again, I'm Matthews and I'm in Southern California. I'm a former Army combat canine handler turned celebrity dog trainer. And I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have three companies. And it's taken me a long time. I've been a boy in a man's body for most of my life, but I'm well on my way to being someone that I can be proud of. And um, my new mission in life is to share my gifts and talents to positively transform the lives of others. Oh, man, that, that sounds so amazing. You know, the reason I, I like to connect with other veterans on the show is because especially any veteran who's probably served in post 9-11, uh, we've all experienced likely going overseas and I'm pretty sure you've been on a deployment or two. So what's your deployment experience? Sure. In 2005, I volunteered to go to uh, Iraq as an explosive canine handler, with military working dog Zito. And I was in Mosul, Iraq, um, at various special forces and infantry units. I was, you know, tasked out to random units and they got to bond or, or know who I was working with, uh, which kind of sucked. Um, so, yeah, I was deployed in 2005 to 2006 with an explosive canine. Oh, man. So I, I know those jobs very well uh, because we had, you know, explosive canines or IDD dogs that were deployed with us. But some people who are listening to the show might not really know. You hear explosive and you hear canine. So what is the job of the handler and what is the job of the canine? So when I went through, I graduated in 2002 at military working dog school in Lackland Air Force Base. So I'm kind of old school and dating myself. So I had dogs growing up. My very first dog was a military working dog uh, by the name of Rex. And so that's kind of interesting. My first dog was an attack narcotic detection dog, which is kind of crazy. 
Um, so the roles um, when I went through canine school is a bit different than the roles now. And so when I went through as a handler, I'm making sure that the dog is seeing and not missing any areas when we're doing a detection sweep. The new way is the dog uh, independent. So the dog doesn't rely on the handler as much as what I went through. But my main function as an explosive canine handler stateside is to do bobcat sweeps for local police department if they don't have an explosive dog. We're often being tasked with service to do sweeps for four stars, uh, dignitaries, uh, POTUS, VP POTUS, those type of people. Um, so that's kind of fun. And then when we're not training, when we're not doing missions, we're out doing training and making sure that the explosive canine is maintaining a detection, um, finding proficiency, meaning they're finding the explosive 95% of the time reliable or better. Oh, man. That's, that's a high reliability. You know, if you think about it, that's something that's not automated. You're still trusting a living being, right, <laughs> to, to hopefully find an explosive or some kind of, you know, um, hidden trap. But when we work with them uh, overseas, you know, they were pretty much on the front, right? There was uh, any patrol that would go out, you would see would be led by the handler and the, or, you know, maybe a point man that was with him and then the explosive dog. So I can imagine 2005, 2006, Missoula, Iraq, you know, that's, that was a pretty much, that was a hotbed, man. That was, uh, it wasn't everything that I understood. I wasn't in that area of Iraq, but um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy day. So can you tell us a little bit about your deployment to Iraq? Yeah, so I was, uh, I deployed by myself, myself, my canine, and then another handler and his dog. And he went to Baghdad and I went up to Missoula. So I was attached to a canine unit um, when we were attached to 25th ID, uh, but we never met command or anyone from 25th ID. We just hung out there at the, at the canine um, detached there on the FOB. And I was connected with a couple of other army handlers and a Navy handlers. And a, I think there was like one Marine handler. Mm -hmm. And so because canine is DOY, right? So the job is the same regardless of branch. Branch is pretty much irrelevant as it relates to being a canine handler, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. It's one of those MLSs, which is the same across the board, which is kind of rare, really. Um, so that, that was pretty cool, um, working with people that she hadn't met before, but yeah. I got to say, man, the toughest part was going on mission, with these random people that I had never met before and they're trusting me and my canine to make sure that them and their unit is safe and I'm trusting them. And sometimes I would get a team because, you know, I can't be searching windows, snipers and this kind of stuff, although I would because I watch the dog. Yeah. You know, and so if I'm not watching the dog and pulling the dog off of odor because I'm scanning and, and checking people out, uh, then, then that, that's not ideal. I could pull it off of, uh, of a res potential response on odor. And so often I would have a security team, which was cool. But at the same time, again, I'm trusting these people I've never met before with my life and they're trusting well, which was um, pretty nerve wracking, but also kind of an interesting dynamic. Well, and I got to say, man, I was often in strikers, sometimes in Humvee. And so what was even more weird about that was, as the dog handler, I never one one minute in country. I yeah. was always being, you know, chauffeured or whatever, tackled. And I was in strikers a lot, which is an interesting dynamic because I'm in the back on the bench with my dog. 
which means that like when the hatch to the striker drops, like I don't have a clue where we're at. You know, I don't have <laughs> yeah. a clue what, what yeah. to expect. And I was really often in the dark, you know? And so I was really not set up for success. Fortunately, I never went to NTC national training center. Uh, I never got one day of training before combat. So I was really, really clueless. Um, wow. One thing that did help a little bit, though, is that I took my job very serious, and I was certified in Army SWAT. And so I knew a bit about being tactical and technical as it relates to, you know, weapon proficiency and, mm-hmm. um, and operations, you know, military operations and urban terrain kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but, yeah, man, I kind of – I remember the – C-130 into country, we did a combat landing, and I didn't even know what a combat landing was. So <laughs> I thought we were getting shot down. That's how clueless I was. Wow. Yeah, so there was, there was <laughs> no... Uh, the flares out, you know, was, and you hear like, thump, 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 thump. And I was like, oh, man, we're getting hit. Because, again, I'm by myself, right? So I yeah. don't have command. I don't have anyone to do. And so I'm like, you know, and you're in your ego, of course. I was like 20-something years old. And so <laughs> it was crazy, man. Like I was literally ready to start um, shooting people when they hopped to the C-130 when we landed because I thought we did it. Because the wow. guy across the way, he must have seen my face. He's all, that landing. And I was like, oh, crap. Like we're in the stuff. Like where it's about yeah. to go down. Um, I remember, again, I had no training for combat, prior to combat. I remember my first night, man. You know, hearing th- you know, hearing explosions and different stuff. And I laid in my bed, my cot, and I was just ready to be blown up. Man. Wow! I was expecting it because it's like you know, I didn't know enough. Yeah. Um, and that pucker factor wears off eventually, you know. But um, yeah, it it definitely it definitely was a mind screw for sure. Yeah, I can imagine, right? Uh, especially somebody who hadn't maybe been brought up in kind of any other command, right. you know, doing kind of a workout before you deploy and doing anything else that can, that can definitely add a little bit of mystery to the whole, to the whole experience. Right. There's no, because when you move a, when you move a big unit, right. I mean, everybody, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. So we're going to land. We're going to, you know, you know, we're going to phase you guys in with this unit is, you know, we're going to do the whole left seat, right seat deal. And so you kind of know what to expect. Um, I remember one of my first nights when I was in Iraq, we like stopped like every 300 yards, I think. Well, not first night in Iraq, but when we were going out to the FOB that I was going to go um, work out of, or a cop actually it was a smaller patrol base. And, <laughs> and we stopped like every 300 meters and they get out and go, you know, get three guys out to go sweep, you know, for IEDs. It was, I think like one or two o'clock in the morning. And then it took us like two hours to get someplace it would normally take, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but you're stopping to get out and sweep the roads. And, um, it, you're right. I think anybody who's new to that experience, regardless of the job, uh, it's going to add some kind of just, I don't know, it just adds this mystery to the whole deal. Right. You know, I mean, I guess when you look back at it now, <laughs> when you look at it now, you're like, Oh, that was, that was silly. <laughs> right. That was, what was I thinking? But yeah. it's definitely, man, it's just a different life for some people. And, and I think veterans in a whole, um, and I don't ever want to take away, I don't take away from anybody's experience because I've learned this since, yeah, I think you two have too, since working with other veterans, whether, you know, you're the guy who was, you know, crew chief in a helicopter or running a dog on the ground is there's definitely things that are just going to kind of change. Right. I mean, 
if I, if, yeah. I, if I had to say anything that, especially when you go into that environment, you know, things just become a little bit different. And, um, and for some, it gets worse and some not so much. I know some of the most hardened combat veterans that are most resilient. I know some of the ones that are least experienced that, you know, have their issues. And I don't like to play those things down. But I would really, you know, what we kind of talked about before we got on the show is how were things when you... I don't really want to dig into the experience in country too much, but you know, kind of afterwards, like how, how's life different? Cause we, you know, that's something we talked on, you know, we want to start going down the road of like mindset, PTSD and, and, and the different things that you've experienced. And I think there's a lot of people, man, who are going to really resonate with that. And so, you know, what, what yeah. was your, you know, for the lack of a better <laughs> question, what was your biggest challenge? Right. But what is, what was so challenging about after it's all said and done? Well, you know what was interesting about the work that I had done is when I had done stateside before deployment, I had done some bomb threat sweeps. Okay. And, you know, I, as a soul, really took my job very serious. And when you take your job serious, you go all in. And so yeah. when I'm going to a bomb threat sweep, I take it so serious. I assume that there legitimately is a bomb in there. And... You know, that kind of scared me, like, especially the first one. Yeah. It was a Walmart. I had a search of Walmart on my first bomb threats. We, uh, dog <laughs> and I, like, that's huge. That's a huge search area. Yeah. Nonetheless, <laughs> I um, created the bomb threat. I, I took on this mantra, and I told myself, I am dead. And I told myself, I am dead, so that I could have the courage to go in that building and search without any type of reservation, any holding back and yeah. do my job to the fullest of my capability. And so taking on that mantra that I never let go of, if I am dead, not only messed with me later, come to haunt me where I faced multiple uh, near-death experiences and illnesses. And yeah. so we certainly need, do need to be very mindful of the head chatter and the things that we say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but after country, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After country, you know, I was extremely hypervigilant as a as a canine handler you know i was taught to notice every single thing like paying attention to tripwire i'm paying attention to things out of the ordinary because i'm looking for things that i need to go and have my dog search mm -hmm. and so although annoying and it's really messed with my head quite a bit now in business it serves me so well yeah i'm the guy you want to look at your brand yeah I'm the guy you want to look at your brand. I will notice everything about your brand or your website and this kind of stuff. And it allows me to read people as it relates to sales or just social interactions. I pick up on everything. And so there's kind of like something that sucked back in the day. And now it serves me and it's actually to a gift. And so I'm learning to embrace it now, that crazy hypervigilance over attention to detail. <laughs> I love it because I was just talking with somebody that, that we know um, mutually and he, we were talking about how do you retool, right? There's all these things that just happen and change in, in, in certain people. Hypervigilance is one of them. Um, you know, the, the anger, frustration, I see that coming out. And you know, a lot of people try to spend so much time trying to squash it, right? They spend a lot of time trying to, to, to just push it down or to, to eliminate it, like to, 
Um, the, the science of unlearning, I'm not too big on that, being a guy who's in learning and training. I love to be able to reallocate assets because I think you can turn everything that is a weakness, I think you can flip it on its head and turn it into a strength. And you just said, like you said something that was amazing. It was, yes. I turned that extreme hypervigilance and now it becomes attention to detail. I can use it as a tool. Or, you know, I look at like the anger and frustration. I'm like, what if you just channeled that energy into being just um, aggressive towards your goals? Uh, I believe there's a there's unhealthy and healthy aggression. I believe in healthy aggression and being able to say, this is what I'm going to focus on. And um, so it's not angry. It's just really, you know, um, set out to go this direction. And, and you're going to be, you know, ruthless in, in accomplishing the thing that is on your heart. So how are you able to take that journey? Because that's the thing. I think that's the link a lot of guys miss. You see all these veterans and, and first responders and people who've recovered, and then you see these guys still struggling, and nobody really looks at that link. But how did you start to make that link? Well, I think one piece is that as humans, we tend to want to band-aid or not address the uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. And one of my healers, his name is Doc Mike in Malibu, California, he's like, look, Ryan, the only way through it is through it. Mm-hmm. And as simple as that is, I think it's so deep and so profound. And so I've been applying that in my own life. And so the things that are holding me back, the things that I'm afraid of, the things that trigger me are not that I'm avoiding. Those are the things that I'm actually doing. And I'll give you guys an example. And so as an explosive canine handler, um, when I got back home stateside, <laughs> it was kind of like I OCD. I, if I was like walking the streets with, with my woman or something or driving, I would never walk over or drive over a sewer manhole cover. I would not do it. I would walk, which like, imagine that on a first date. They're like, what yeah. are you doing? Like, that's like some extreme stuff, right? Uh, because I thought it would explode. Like my mind just went back, was in country. Mm -hmm. I literally thought in my head that that thing would explode and I would walk around it. And then I hold on. Like, does my mind have control of my body? Like, who's making this decision here? Yeah. Because I'm walking straight, and now I just deviated. And that is like a weakness and a flaw. And I know it's minute, but at the same time, like, I want to have control of, of my own self, right? Yeah. And so what I had done was I took on a mantra. For me, it's I am happy, I am healthy, and I am humble. And that's all very specific. Very specific. And I say healthy because I've faced some crazy life-threatening illnesses. I say happy because I tend to be a very serious person and I've seen some trauma besides combat that kind of makes me a bit too serious. And I say humble because I'm really starting to take off and I want to make sure that my ego stays in place. Yeah. And so I tell myself, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm humble, right? Like over and over and over again and start to embody it and live it. Now, as it relates to the sewer manhole cup, when I want to walk around it, at first, I just put my toe on it and told myself, I'm safe. I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm humble. And I would do it like over, not like prolonged exposure, which is a mm -hmm. thing as well, but just kind of flirt with it. Yeah. And then I would just move on and go on about my day. And then the next day, if I found another one, I would do it again. You just repeat. Now, what's interesting is it's a repetition. And I apply that same dog training when we're teaching a new behavior. Whether you want to teach your dog sit or a trick, you do the repetitions. Yeah. Okay. And so I just continuously would gradually, mentally step on the sewer manhole cover more and more and more. And it took like probably six months 
But before I knew it, I was jumping up and down on it and it didn't have any power over me. And now when I see them in the um, walking or whatever, I, I smile and I just step on it and it, <laughs> it doesn't have any power. Right. And I do the same thing with not wanting to put my back to the front door. Or the front. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's funny um, when you say that. So I'm, I'm reading Atomic Habits right now. I should say listening. I love to listen to books and the, yeah. the so much of what he says in the beginning of the book is a lot about how, well, one, how like you cue yourself and it's part of it's like what you say to yourself is a big deal. He doesn't really go too much into that, but it's implied. And know and then what you really do to just start to slowly make the change over time like putting your toe on the manhole cover just kind of doing those you know doing the things and and recognizing the cue right like what it is that triggers you and the biggest thing that i see that 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 most guys and and gals who go through this they they just don't have that self-awareness they they know that they get into this really bad zone that um you know i've got i've got a friend that knows when he needs to disappear and disconnect but to the fact of like well that is his, his response, right? Well, if I just isolate, which I think you and I know how that goes over a long period of time. Um, if I just do that, that's, yes. that gives me the, the response I need. That gives me that warm and, and comfort that I need. But then they just keep perpetuating that unhappy life because that self-awareness, it's there. But I don't, is it that they don't know another path or they haven't been presented the option or they're just so rooted in that comfort of avoiding manhole covers, right? Or avoiding those things. And so what I really try to figure out with each person, because quite frankly, every person is different, but how do you gain that perspective and self-awareness to say, I'm going to shift left instead of always going right? Yeah. Well, I can tell you that I can be really stubborn at times and I didn't get it, man. And so if it's okay with you, I'm going to take five minutes and I'll make it quick, but I'll share with your audience the journey that finally caused me to wake up. And it didn't yeah. happen. Like they're probably going to get frustrated listening to this to be like, an idiot, man, you got to wake <laughs> up at, at that point. And it didn't happen. Yeah. And then, okay, well at this point, and it's, didn't and so if it's okay, I'm happy to share that journey. Yeah, and, um, and, and here's what it's an effort and hopes to share so that your audience does not go through the pain and the craziness that I had. Yeah. And so I hope that they get quicker, man, and not have to go through all the craziness. Okay. Hit Sound it. good? Yeah, man. Really good. So for me, I, I got military and I was in a really horrific ATV accident where I drove an ATV over a mountain, nearly killing an ex-girlfriend and I. And um, she sadly was minutes from not making it and had to get a flight for life. But I'm, I'm happy to say that um, she did survive that accident. Um, but nonetheless, I felt really guilty. In fact, I still haven't even forgiven for it uh, to this day. Nonetheless, I moved to Colorado to take care of her and nurse her back to health. Now, when I moved there, I didn't know what I would do for work. So I bought into a dog training franchise and ended up turning that into an empire um, where I trained over 3,000 dogs and made close to a million dollars in half years training pet dogs. Man. And so for you business people out there, if I can make that money training dogs, you make massive amounts of money doing whatever you desire as well, right? Um, but I was decided to work all of it. And it's because I was trying to tone down those crazy thoughts. Yeah. Those nasty thoughts that live in our heads of those of us that live with PTSD. So I kept, so I didn't have to live with those thoughts. 
by way of work. And that's part of how I was so successful. Well, eventually it caught up with me. Mm. I'm 38 now. At the age of 30, I end up having stage colon cancer. Oof. And I was pretty stubborn. I'm kind of naive to it all. Um, so after my first round of chemo, on the 4th of July, I would go and hide in the Colorado mountains. On the 4th of July, I had what they call a widowmaker heart attack from really? the chemotherapy. Jeez. They call it a widowmaker because you're not supposed to survive. Stuff, yeah. Right? Now, none of that woke me up. It, none of that made me want to shift the kind of person that I was showing up in the world. Huh. And I remember going back to work just a month after the heart attack. And I was involved in something that got me negative nationwide press. And I'm happy to go into, um, but for the sake of time, I, I can keep moving forward or I could share whatever you want. Um, yeah, but unless I share it, okay. Yeah. And so I go back to work a month after the heart attack. And now the thing of it is, is that number one, I didn't do the cardiac rehab. I didn't really address my, so my physical health. I never did address my mental and emotional health because it's a total mentor with you. Um, having the cancer and the heart attack back to back yeah. within a couple months of each other, go back to my dog training facility because I need my drug uh, just a month after the heart attack. And that's when my life took a really unexpected turn. However, this, what I'm about to tell you, still did not wake me up. So my dog, her name is Montage, she's a Belgian Malinois, which is the type of dog we use in the military and law enforcement. They're like a German Shepherd hour energy and an alligator mix that's this kind of like. they're pretty cool but they're super intense and so that's relevant because montage had a little sore on her paw and she kept licking it and my simple logic was that a wet wound won't heal so i put a muzzle on her face so she couldn't lick it so yeah. that i heal but the problem with that was montage when it's not conditioned or used muzzle hmm. and so for some animals when they are put on a piece of equipment on them, protest. And so when I put the muzzle on montage, she protested. She charged after me and she wanted me to take the muzzle off and I acted out of fear. A lot of us combat veterans can relate to is this aggression, this irritability, the fear. Yeah. And so I acted out of fear and from fear can then breed sometimes what? Aggression. Yeah. And so when she charged after me, I tossed her numerous times. I even struck her with a closed fist. And, you know, it wasn't a good look. You know, I had trained all these dogs. I had commercials on TV. And so my office manager turns me in for animal cruelty. Mm. And I end up hiring an attorney. And she watched the video. And she's like, the dog's fine. There's no issue here. Uh, but within 24 hours, the media wasn't my facility. Mm. And eventually, I was charged for animal cruelty. Mm. And my attorney's like, look, man, you don't know your mortality. The media is making an example out of you. And you need to plead. And so that's what I did. At the same time, I was on the front page of the newspaper. I was on the news. This thing became known nationwide. And I ended up not being dogs from 2011 to 2013. So my purpose was gone. Yeah. I lost this. I went to jail. And the worst part was they took my dogs. And, um, and I hid, man. I hid for five years. And not in the jails I wake up, not 
in the police car, none of that, nothing, none of that woke, not the cancer, not the heart attack, none of that. It wasn't until three years ago where I found a second heart attack. And I was 35 at the time. And in that moment, when I thought of my second heart attack, I realized that I had just been given a lot of chances. Yeah. I had this realization that I did not achieve the everything that I want in this life. And I had regret. And that's when I reached out to higher power and I, I begged for my life. I promised mm -hmm. that if I was given this opportunity to live one more time, that I would really do the work and move past everything that put me back, my traumas, PTSD, and that I would really lean in and do the work to better as a human being. I owe it to myself and I owe it to my community. I owe yeah. it to the world, right? Yeah. To show up as man possible. And, and then I promised that I would share it with other people. And that's why I'm on with you right now, is I'm just acting out my soul contract where I said that I would be of service to other people. And my desire is to rid others of the pain and the crazy stuff that I through so that they can learn it quicker than I did and not be so dang stubborn. Yeah, yeah man. It, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned a lot of that. So one, you know, we've dealt with um, heart issues with my father and he had explained to me, he's like, it's just this constant anxiety that sits over you from, from then on out. And uh, he, had, he had a, yeah. And, you know, we just went through something not too long ago. Everything was pretty clear, you know, they, um, from his triple bypass he had five years ago and we were just back in the hospital. But I was looking at, at this um, conversation I was having with my father, other people I've had on the show, other veterans and other people I've met who've gone through things and experienced things. And, and it's not just one source, right? Like, like for, for a lot of the vets, like they have, they have PTSD is in there. Um, first responders, they have the same thing, but then you look at all the other things that stack up. Right. And, and I, and I'm so fortunate. I had this conversation yesterday to give me the words to, 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 to put to what you just said is it's just things over time just kept layering and layering and everything just just got so heavy and whether it was the, the the third divorce you go through or the second heart attack or or whatever eventually we all have a breaking point to where that um those experiences that we go through that tr the trauma because it's all trauma right because it, it pains us um just becomes too much and, and either you, you you do or you don't right and um, a lot of people, they do want to yeah. see the greater on the other side. And, you know, you I think you had that moment, right? And you're like, oh, you know, what, what am I here for? What am I doing? If I could do it all over again. And, um, you know, either people do that in the hospital, they do that yeah. in a room, you know, in a room, breaking down the church, wherever it happens, you know, whatever their belief, man, that, that, God, I, that, that resonates with me. If it does, if it doesn't resonate with anybody else, I thank you for t telling that because I love having these conversations because it helps here too, you know? Um, but yeah. And then coming out and living a purpose, like that, that's, that's huge. So, so do you really feel like, do you really feel like your purpose has shifted or do you just really kind of fall back into it again? Because what I see with people like us is that we're really oriented towards serving and sometimes we just get away from it. Yeah. You know, and it's not having yeah. to find your purpose again. It's just having to say, Oh, you know, it's still here. How can I, how can I do this? And so it seems like you really did that, man. Um, and you're doing it. So, so second heart attack, uh, if I had to recap, you know, at 35, wow, 35, wow, I'm 35, <laughs> great, um, you know, and that woke you up, right? So what does it really feel like to have that, that awakening moment? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you describe that to somebody? Really different, 
right? Like yeah. my head was about to hit the ground and I had this darkness come over and I was convinced. I mean, I had 911 on the phone. I'm like, hey, I'm having a heart, another heart attack. Please help. And like everything was so dark and I just wanted to lay on and give up. Like I was certain I was either passing out or passing out to die. Yeah. And it's, um, if you can't wake up from that, then you got a problem. Now it's also, I think going to be very valuable to your audience is this. Look, I said, I'm going to lean in and do the work. I did that. Yeah. At the same time, I was humbled fairly recently. I thought that what I do is I just lean in and do the work and transform myself and I'm good for the rest of my life. And what I've discovered, this is huge. What I discovered is this, the work never ends. Mm, yeah. We just get to different levels and just different levels of knowing and applying. But our new norm continues to evolve and adjust and grow. And that's how I choose to show up in the world. I don't like being stagnant. I, I don't do it. Uh, I feel that I owe it to you and everyone else to continue to evolve and better, be, better, better uh, become a human being. Uh, because it's a better experience for all of us, right? Uh, yeah. If I can improve myself. And so that was very humbling for me to know that. So now I have an entourage of people. Me. I have healers and coaches that I deal with all the time that help me hold accountable, help me have realizations, that help me process and work through and then apply. Uh, because I don't care about knowledge. I care about what do you do with it, Yeah. Right? Mm. there's no look at google like there's a shortage of knowledge out there it's like who's going to take the action though so it's yeah. about applying it that that is it's huge um because i've seen so many people go on different retreats and um different places and and, and they're in this continuous learning loop right and they're constantly learning and right. constantly learning but it's in and man i'm guilty of it. i'm huge on on academia if you can't tell um but applying it sometimes it can be a real challenge because it's scary right it is scary to go through and create new habits, right? To create new behaviors, to create new ways of thinking, um, new ways of talking to yourself. It is, it, it can be because you're so like, you're, you're so stuck in just that, that identity of the wounded person or the person who's gone through all these different things and not the whole identity of the, the person you can be or you, you aspire to be. We just kind of get stuck in this little slice of pie over here and <laughs> we never like open up to the, That's oh right. man, you know? And so I, I love that, 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 that analogy is being able to apply it and then it doesn't stop, right? That's so cool that you can, you can say that because, the, yeah. you know, I, I think in depending on your spiritual beliefs, you know, Hey, this journey stops once, once, once I cross over, right? That, that does. And then I'm onto another one. That's my belief, but still, you know, it doesn't stop until you stop breathing. So why not keep going? Right. I mean, that's right. I, I share that with you now. And I haven't even a stronger analogy to really cement it into your audience's yeah, head. Man. And that, that, like when I'm working with a dog mm -hmm. and the dog freezes and they just, just stop. So think about that. Let's analyze that. That means that the environment is not changing because it's from the dog's frozen, right? There are no variables or factors that are different. Okay. Yeah. And so imagine, apply that to human life as mm -hmm. in nothing is changing. Same thing day in, day out, no change of environment, no change in, change in circumstances or action or anything else like that. Stagnant. Yeah. When that happens, when I'm working with a dog in dog training, change the environment. It's called a reset. Yeah. So if the dog's frozen, all I do is maybe move my feet. We go into a different room. 
I change up the environment. And when we change up the environment, it's an opportunity for new change and a redo. And the next thing you know, it's that flow. And yeah. I think the same holds true. I'm not a psychologist, but I do have psychology endorsing my concept of we can apply dog training principles that I've created known as RCTR to actually overcome trauma. But anyways, I feel like if we can apply that system, humans as well, where we are willing to change up the environment, and yeah, sometimes that's uncomfortable, I think allows for a lot of change to include new synapses, new connection, new connections. Mm. That's, that's a game changer. Yeah, it is. It is. I've, you know, I've found that the, the, the comfort of just sitting in one spot, right? I mean, I sit in my office a lot and even that can be, um, I'll give you an example. We were talking about the other day, you know, the direction I'm heading and I stalled so bad, right? I just stalled. I, I sat there, I had like one statement written out and then it had been, it had been like a week and, and because you freeze and you just stare at the same thing over and over and over again. And so I didn't even just stand up. One, I, t I took a break from it because I, I believe that's you know one thing that kind of separates us out from a lot of people. We need that that separation, and then take it somewhere else. You know, go yeah. um, go into the closet. I don't that's know right. where. You know, go into the bedroom. Go into the car. Go for a drive. Go in the park. Go somewhere where it's just gonna change up something. Stand up, right? The change of state is so good. And um, I don't I don't think yeah. that the, the power of small change just. I, a lot of people are oblivious to it. They just want to, and I think military people and, and, and especially, or anybody in that service industry, they're so laser focused on mission. <laughs> it's still, even whether you're a veteran or you're still in, it becomes hard to do, right? Like, no, I have to, if I just yeah. stare harder, if I just look at a little bit more, if I just don't give up, you know, we know that we can accomplish anything. I don't think those principles apply when we're trying to overcome, you know, the things that go on in our minds. That's a really good point, man. I love it. Uh, and the other thing you mentioned, yeah, you surrounded yourself. I, can I share a couple hacks? Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I want to give your audience a couple of hacks if they're feeling stagnant because I, I work from home a lot. If I'm not out and about doing meetings or speaking somewhere, and so when I'm working from home, I spring that. Oh man, I'm just stuck, right? And mm -hmm. so I've developed some things that help me get going, and think that it would be valuable to your audience. So, do I have your permission to share that? Always, man. Man. And so again, you find what works well for you. One of them is I just blast music very, very, very loud. <laughs> and so blasting music really loud um, brings my energy up is one way. Number two is I will go and do some reps of TRX, which is just work out uh, in my garage, just a few reps and just get my heart rate going and get the blood pumping. And then I come back into my office and I crank out some work. And so do a reduced push-ups or some jumping jacks or whatever. Again, my preference is to do TRX and I just do like that and um, come back and, and start working again. The other thing that I do is I, I ice myself in a, a, almost a forced productive environment. And for me, it's coffee shop. And uh -huh. so there's not a lot for me to do there. And so, uh, uh, and then the other thing you can do your phone in the car and because we got to be disciplined Mm. because so many want things from us right so leave the phone in the car and then just dial knock stuff out on the laptop or write something or whatever and just really stay focused we often sabotage ourselves from a lack of hope there's just a few oh, yeah. hacks that i hope uh, could be a service no those really there's small things that really do work right um i love the force product i 
I really do find when you go into something, not even like a library, cause you can get distracted there. If you just go into a public environment where there's people around and like, I don't like feeling judged, <laughs> right? What's this guy doing sitting here? So you want to get productive. Um, I don't like to look at that from a negative perspective. It's just like, okay, somebody over there is hacking away on their laptop. I'm sitting here sipping a, you know, a, a latte with a laptop doing nothing. Maybe I should do something. And you're right. The, the blood flow is huge, man. I love, I love being able to do that. I don't, I personally don't even do that as much. The big kicker, man, and we talked about this at one event I was at was, was actually disconnecting from this guy. You know, I mean, it's, it's like never, it's like a rifle, right? <laughs> never an arm's length away from you. And yeah. The cell phone, it, yeah, that, the handheld device can be a thing for sure. I, think, I honestly think it stops a lot of healing too. Like when I look at it, not just workflow, but you know, it's a distractor to, to work and to, to reality. Oh man. And so I've done it. I sort of <laughs> look at a video, right? Yeah, man. A couple of things I'd like to share about that is one, when you're with your significant other out in public, do not be on your phone. Like yeah. you are breaking the connection. You're showing yeah. them that your phone is more important than them. I don't care what. And look, like, so I, I like I said, I notice that, right? I'm paying attention. I'm studying people. I'm observing things out in public. It blows my mind, couples and people out in public sitting in front of each other. On. And you know what it is? It's a lack of being vulnerable. Yeah. It's a matter of this even deeper. It's fear of not having their emotions, emotion, uh, emotional desires met. Mm. And they're seeking it out on social media yeah. or on their phone. Yeah, man. Right. Just, and so, no, 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 we got to get rid of that thing, man. Bring it back to the basics, connect with your significant other, keep that dang phone away. And you give that significant other time and truly allow yourselves to connect. And you know what? It's going to feel really good in multiple ways. There is, um, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I believe that connection and community is the biggest healer of everything from relationships to trauma. And I, that's my, my, my biggest, my biggest belief before I ever ran into any books on it, like I, I loved having community and having people. I'm, a, I'm high in, in introversion, but I'm a social extrovert when I need the, 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 the energy, right? And so like I get my fill from that and I, and, I, uh -huh. and, and, and I see that too. And I see that, you're right, I, I witness that with other people, either whether they're going through their healing or they're having problem relationships. I'm like, well, you're, you're just, you're, you're taking your attention you're just putting it somewhere else. And if you put the attention on the thing that really mattered to you, if you asked, you know, a bunch of people who run in our circles, do you value healing or do you value entertainment first? And most of them will tell you, I, I want the healing. Then, then heal yourself. Don't do the entertainment thing. I'm guilty. Don't get me wrong. I mean, more, I wouldn't say more times than not, but it certainly does come up. Uh, you know, same with the relationship too. Uh, I, I've been trying to put in a new rule here at my house, like the no phone zone. Like I wanted to get a little, um, you get like a little plastic container and you know, from maybe a re recycled thing and you uh -huh. put a little hole on it and you put it on the doorknob. And of course we're like, Oh, that looks ugly. I'm like, well, it doesn't need to look pretty. It just has to be a place that it's the, the holding for the phone. Right. So there's so many different rules, you know, as we go through these things that we're just not willing to create. Right. Because I think we feel, tell me, yeah. if I'm, tell me if I'm wrong on this. You just feel added burden to the rules that you're creating. That's going to make a better life. However, you feel so locked down by it. And in, in reality, it's actually freeing when you start to kind of live by these small things. There is this, you know, we're so conditioned to all these distractions. 
-hmm. But I think that secrets to life is, you know, really slowing things down. And I'm in Southern California. Things move fast out here. (laughs) We are on the go, man. Yeah. And I'm finding, and my meditation practice helps me do so, is more than I can slow down, more than I can appreciate the smaller things in life, the more incredible things happen to me. Like seriously, every other day, miracles happen. Like Animal Planet called me to do a TV show like two weeks ago. Like it's just crazy the kind of things that happen, right? And Mm -hmm. I give give it to um, the meditation, how I show up in the world is allowing these things to happen to me. So it's a matter of like slowing down to speed up, even so far as to like look at the clouds, look at yeah. the plants, like literally look at the veins in the plants as you walk by. Before I was like, that would never cross my mind. But as we start to really embrace this true experience of life, you really start to live fully. And I have been half dead, seriously half dead nearly my entire life. Yeah. And so for me, a lot of that stuff that I just knew. Okay. And that hasn't been my truth. Uh, it wasn't until like I was 35. Okay. So it's all very new for me, but it's a game changer. And what's interesting is we open our mind and it, we also can then open our heart. Mm. And then it's just incredible how the type of people that you meet, the opportunities that you experience, it's like you get an level in your life experience. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, did you did you end up going through uh, Resilient Warrior? I can't remember if I asked you that question. No. No, no that so, is a lot of retreats, workshops, and seminars, but I haven't been through that. I'll have to have a look. So the follow-up, I, I believe right now, the Southern Ground is you go through Resilient Warrior, and nobody will be able to see this because we usually do audio first, but you know, you get this whole thing. And I missed the exercise because I had uh, activity with my kids, but... Um, they did this mindful eating exercise. And so I read through it in, in the workbook and so many people in the follow-up, right. were just wanting to chomp through the chocolate or the orange or whatever they brought with them, you know, to just blow through it. And most veterans, like I think anybody who's been in the military is just like, they still today, I watch guys just hawk down food. I'm guilty of that. It's efficient. Right. And oh, yeah. I said, imagine just sticking like a piece of chocolate in your mouth and that, you know, you have that desire to swallow um, what if you just took that sensation away from yeah. food and just said, you know, I had this desire to like turn back to my phone or turn back to the TV, but what if I just looked down the street or at the clouds or at the, you're right. You know, that, that ability to just enjoy, enjoy the moment is so powerful to, to a lot of people. And I think to people who can't find joy right now, um, maybe they start with something small. I mean, what would you recommend starting with? You know, let's, that's right. What would you recommend? You know, uh, I I know what I would I know what I would do, but I love to ask from the guests because people hear my voice all the time. But you know, when when you start sure. just slowing down, what do you start with? Well, before that, let's let me just share. Like, look, I was really irritable out in public. I had the anxiety. I just couldn't put my back to the door. I would bump. I would bump and run into people in public. I had a confrontation every single time I went out in public. Yeah, and my ex wife you know, started to get embarrassed, and I think, uh, but eventually I graduated, was like, oh, I guess this is kind of sucky for all of us, so then what, I don't want rotation, so then I just stay home, and yeah. then I isolate, right, and so it's this vicious cycle, and then typically from isolation will, um, substance abuse will often happen, after substance abuse, the suicidal ideation, like this is the spiral that, yeah. that we see time and time again, 
And so for me, I also then had no purpose. And it took quite a bit. Eventually, I was like, geez, you know, I wake up and I'm like, what should I do today? And it's, oh, I think I'll walk my dog on the beach. And that's yeah. all I did. And I was like, I had nothing to look forward to. So eventually I was like, hey, I think I need to create some momentum. Like I need a purpose or something. And I need some structure. Like I haven't had structure in years. So yeah. I literally was like, how do I want to start my day? And I just simply broke it down. And I literally, on my cell phone, I wrote down one through 10, like structure, right? Yeah. So number one, I literally would look at my phone and look, what's number one? And then just do it. What's number two? And do it. Yeah. Number one is I let my dog with me. Yes, I'm a dog trainer that allows that, which is most people go against. And when I wake my dog Zeus, I just show gratitude toward him and we smile at each other. And I just love on him. So I'm opening my heart to start the day. And I'm just about what I'm grateful for. It's a showing appreciation and great yeah. gratitude for Zeus. And that I made that I'm here to create whatever for another day. Yeah. And so again, it's a series. And one of them that helped me begin no purpose was actually simply making my bed. Yeah. It helped me have some surprise. Before I would just wake up whenever. And just, I'm like, what's the point of making my bed? I'm going to get up in 12 hours. Like, that's stupid. Why would I want to waste my time? <laughs> get back in the bed. Yeah. That's right. Like, it lovely makes sense. But it's this, it's this momentum thing. It's this sense yeah. of pride. And so what I want to encourage people to do is just start with something small incrementally and mm -hmm. keep building and building and play. Be like, what would be really fun for me to start my day? And then also people, you, your team, your uh, audience can reach out to me. I'm happy to share more. Uh, if they go to my website, there's a book like seven steps to start your day. Yeah. And it, it kind of breaks down that list that um, will really yeah. create some incredible momentum, yeah. but just be with yourself, be patient and just, just start with a little one or two things. Yeah, man. I think that's huge in, 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 in creating that momentum. And even when you lose it, you can go back to it. I'm actually in the process of, of, yeah. of recreating momentum right now, just simply because I've kind of shifted gears of like where my focus is, like, but my purpose has been there. And, and I'm so power and vulnerability, right? Like I've literally said, okay, this isn't where I want to go in business. I'm not meant to be this kind of entrepreneur. I want to be this kind. And I fell into the trap of focusing so much again on that one thing, one track minded. I lost the, uh, you know, even making the bed in the morning and having the mm -hmm. habit besides getting my kids, like I have a routine and, but that's my kid's routine because they need me because they're six and five. Uh, <laughs> they can't really, right. There's not like, Oh, I'm just gonna get up and get dressed. I mean, if they do, they end up, you know, wearing one rain boot on one foot. And, <laughs> but so I got to make sure they're ready for school. And you know, my wife does the same thing, but you're right. There's so much power, you know, you just start taking the ownership back and then you can feel those things come back as, as you're going through that, the anxiety start to come back and, and you're, you're always going to be susceptible to it. I, I think it, it's constant care that, right. The journey never ends. There's constant care. Um, especially when you've been through, you know, any kind of trauma and that's most of the world today, by the way, right. Is, um, that's right. is it, you can just kick them back on. Like it just take that little bit of pride. Like I love being able to, you're right. The making the bed thing is so awesome. Being able to do the, like the six inch fold that my wife absolutely hates. She don't know where it comes from. And then um, like squaring away your clothes for the next day and putting them on the, on, on the nightstand. It's just those small things. And it's just, and you know, you accomplished it. Like you, I, I did that and it seems small, but you know, it's not like, 
I don't know why we look down on people who cheer themselves for maybe pumping the gas to, you know, $25 even, right? Like everybody else looks at it silly, but maybe that's like (laughs) one of the guy's steps. He might be OCD, but maybe that's one of his things. He's like, man, I, you know, it's a challenge you wanted to do, but it's so crazy because the rest of society who's still trying to heal and laugh and like, why man, people are just trying to live. So I've taken that perspective and it sounds like you have too. just people are trying to do their thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really interesting. You know what I find interesting about the example of the 20 player for the gas thing is we could say, like, you're an idiot. Like, why would you want to spend your time doing that when you could put your time towards other things? Or we yeah. could say, wow, passionate are you about even the simplest things? Yeah. I can only imagine about the type of path behind the things that are truly in your mind and in your heart and that you're driven to do. Yeah. Right? That's your name. Yeah. It's just, it's so crazy. Like to, 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 when, when I think of like, I've been up and down in that momentum. And I think a lot of us have, you know, I remember like as a kid, how much of the silliest things did you just like, you got happy about, you know, and then you get older and you adult, That's right. you know, and then you're like, Oh, that's so silly. And now like when you've been through and you're on the mend, you're like, Oh, well, you know, it's not really that screw you for judging me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be happy that I was a, Oh, when it, like the, the, the water bottle challenge, right? Where people were throwing them up in the air, the bottle cap challenge, like all those things. And oh, yeah, yeah. you see all these bitter people are like, oh, that's such a waste of time. I was like, but how cool is it? They can just get so excited out of something so easy, right? Like, I mean, don't you want that joy? Like who doesn't want that joy, right? Who, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I used to think of like when I used to be there, I don't know about you. Like I, I still like to revisit that, you know? Um, okay. Yeah. I used to be there. What was that like? Did you like, I, I get it, man. <laughs> yeah, man. That's so, it's so cool. It's such a cool way to think. And and, it is. And maybe the reason why people are like clowners is because they wish they had a little bit about a little bit of that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Could be that. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Now here's one of the things that a lot of us, I mean, 68% of American households have a pet and you know, 50% of those are, are dogs. And so I think why we love dogs so much is they are the person that we want to be. Yeah. Think about how enthusiastic they are. Think about how much they want to play. Like, broadly speaking, I know there's lazy dogs. But broadly speaking, they want to play. They want to interact. They want to love unconditionally. And mm-hmm. so I think we can actually learn quite a bit. And that was my second TEDx talk. Let's treat other more like dogs. Yeah. Right. How <laughs> yeah. do we treat our dogs versus how do we treat each other? Different. And it's actually not fair. We treat dogs better than people. And that's not right. And so I, I feel as though we can really pay attention to our dogs and look at how they play and mimic some of that. And sir, let that serve as a reminder that we need to. In fact, one of the newer people in my life has taught me something. It's so simple that I have forgotten about. Like I mentioned earlier, I can be kind of a serious person. Yeah. She's, she's like, look, life is meant to be fun. And I've been actually telling myself that for the, I don't know, week or so. I'm like, yeah, life is supposed to be fun. And you know what? It makes you want to smile. And then yeah. it's kind of like, you want to go mess off and like do something fun, right? Yeah. I think that's what dogs are showing to us day in and day out. And, but we're on the phone, so we don't see it. Right? Yeah. 
it's you, i mean you're so right so my dog ate uh, we adopted her at eight months and that was eight going on nine right and she's still a puppy right she still wants to play she'll run as hard she'll come up limp every once in a while because she kind of overstretches but yeah, i look at it and i'm like how like imagine at her age right whatever you would assimilate that in human years if you want to do seven years or eight years, it doesn't really matter but um to have that energy and then she's just so content sitting at my feet most of the day or um she does something yeah. insanely stupid right that i'm looking i'm like how did you do that and then she looks at me like what, what you judging me you know i mean she gives you that look they, the personality that look. <laughs> like are you okay so like you don't trip over your own feet idiot you know like she'll give me that that thing so i'm like why, why'd you do that so and she's, she just looks at me and i'm like but you're right wow. you know you think of those things and you're like man if i could just be wow there. You, you know what my favorite cartoon is the 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 one of uh it's the 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 comic panel where the guy is sitting there with the thought bubble and all these different things that are going on like in their life and the one is the dog sitting next to him with the thought bubble and the dog you know the human that he's sitting next to just so content just to be with his human you know with his with his friend uh, yeah exactly yeah yep. that's one of my favorite uh, exactly. absolutely and it's, it's so it's incredible man yeah yeah you, you know i really like I love this conversation because it, it brings out so much and, and time flies so fast when I, one, uh, <laughs> I tell every guest I get so much energy from, from doing this, but it really does, man. Like there's the depth of conversation, the width of the conversation, there's so much that goes on there. And I want to give you an opportunity to, you know, uh, to really kind of tell people like what the message of the show is stay in the fight and like, what do you stay in the fight for? I stay in the fight because... It's pretty fun to create. I'm a visionary and I'm here to act out the soul contract. I believe be a person of your word. And so I reached out to the higher power and I said, look, I'll share with others, whatever I figure out to transform my own life, I'll share with them. And so I'm drawn to this percent to share. And so I have a few companies that allows me to be of service and essentially transform and improve the lives of others and i say others so that it's people and dogs. that's the two things in my heart and really it's pets and vets that's that's yeah. what i'm into. <laughs> i love it <laughs> it's, it goes so well together um well i'll tell you what man tell people wh where they can reach you and i know you had a little bit of an offer and i re really you know i really want to let you make that out but like where where can they uh where can people go to hold of you everybody who comes on the show you know they open availability to, to the people who might need it most and tell people where they can get a hold of you Absolutely. So I do very high-end dog training. So I, I've trained over 3,000 dogs. So I be of service and share that expertise by way of worldofdogtraining.com. And I also do um, transformational business and personal consulting along national public speaking. And that is imryanmatthews.com. That's two T's and an S at the end. And on social media, it's pretty simple. It's at I am Ryan Matthews, again, two TN. And what I want to offer your audience is a free breaking through barriers discovery call where we can get down and dirty as far as whatever they're going through. And I will give them some of those that shared on the show, but other ones relevant to their life and their situation. So I'm happy to offer for that stance. Yeah, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. So anybody who's really, you know, if, if the story like really resonates with you and even if not, if you just kind of want to have for your vet, for the veterans out there, especially, you know, somebody just who, who's in our sphere, who's just open to talk, man, reach out. Hey, I really appreciate you coming to the show. I'm so grateful for like guests who just, I, you know, I kind of reach out at random or at, you know, I get a weird connection. I'm like, 
you want to talk and, and you're so open to do it. And I'm grateful to have somebody like you come on and do that. Yeah. I appreciate that, brother. You know, again, it's for me, it's again, that's all contract. I said, I would be of service to others just following through on what I said I would do. And it feels so dang good to be of service to other people. Appreciate this opportunity again, man. It does. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We look forward to bringing you new content each and every week through our boots on the ground approach of real and relatable guests. But I'll tell you what, this show cannot carry on without your support. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Thanks everyone for listening. I want to remind you to stay in the fight.